Hi, and welcome to the Genesis Podcast. We're so glad to be able to bring a small portion of our community to you through this medium and hope that you'll join us in our endeavor to embolden one another to change the world by effectively representing Jesus Christ. If you would like to know more about who we are as a community, as well as when and where we meet, you can visit us online at thegenesisstory.com. Also, if you have benefited from this podcast in any way or would like to participate in what we're doing here at Genesis, would you consider partnering with us by donating online again at www.thegenesisstory.com. There you can select the giving tab and how you would like to contribute to the general fund or even to the building fund. Remember, we can do more together than we can ever do alone. Thanks for taking the time to be with us. God bless. Well, this morning we are going to talk about Inspire, but this is for the adults. It's not just for kids. We're going to be talking about this for adults, and we are also going to be talking about why creating is so important. And this morning I want to talk to you about the Silverado Trail, a Christmas play, insider trading, popsicles, earmuffs, and Superman, and a poem, okay? The word inspire, it actually comes from the Latin, which means in, which is the word in, and then spire means to breathe. So it's actually to breathe into. And we know what expire is, right? It's when you no longer breathe. A person expires when they no longer are able to take breath in. They have breathed their last, right? And that idea of expiring literally means you breathe out, and that's when a person no longer is alive. But inspire means more than just breathing. It actually has the idea of breathing in life. It's when you are inspired, it's like you are filled with life. And we've all been inspired in different ways about 11 years ago. No, longer than that. 12 years ago, I had been fired from my job and I was in a bit of a panic because I wasn't sure how I was going to care for my family. I was looking at a church up in Northern California in the Napa area at St. Helena, and I was hoping that maybe something would fall in line there where I could start a church up there, but I didn't have anything planned. It was my first time going out there. I just found out I had two weeks' notice. I told my wife as we were driving up there, by the way, honey, I'd just been fired, and she was like, what? And so it was a nice, relaxing trip up there to, to Napa. And as I got into Napa and we were kind of panicking, as I was driving from my cousin's house in Napa to St. Helena, I was driving along the Silverado Trail. It's kind of off the beaten path, a little bit further up towards the mountains, and it is just gorgeous. There's just all the vineyards, you're seeing them, and it was still green because it was the first part of summer. And as I was just driving there, I was just filled with hope. I was filled with the sense of, it's okay. This is just a season. You're going to get through this. And I can't explain how it happened. All I know is I loved the Silverado Trail. And to this day, when I drive it, I remember how I was given life driving that trail. 
And you've probably experienced something like that where you're feeling maybe just hopeless or you're feeling depressed, you're feeling anxiety, and you see something, you hear a song, something you watch on TV speaks into you, and it's almost like you're able to breathe in life again. It inspires you. And that's the idea behind this. And, and I want us to understand where this inspiration comes from and why it's there. In Genesis chapter 2, verse 7, it says, Then the Lord God formed the man of dust from the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and the man became a living creature. Our story of inspiration begins with a kiss. It begins with God leaning close to us. And as he exhaled, we inhaled life. But this isn't resuscitation. This is just suscitation, if there's such a word, right? It is God's life being imparted to us. And this is the level of intimacy that God wants to have with us continually. This is how he wants us to partake of the life that he's giving and that he's imparting to his creation. One of the reasons for this series is to help us see that God is speaking to us and to all humanity in such beautiful ways that even people who say they don't believe in God or don't have faith probably hear his voice through this means and don't even realize it. And I want our kids to understand that when they are doing something and it's inspiring, that it's like God breathing life into them. It is the voice of God through his breath communicating something to us on a visceral level, on a level that touches us where words don't. A way that God speaks to us without words. Years ago, my daughter was part of a children's Christmas program. She played a character named Slibby. It was a giraffe, a smart aleck giraffe, by the way, and she played it great. Um, And as Christmas was coming and they were putting the play together, the children's leader, one of them put, you know, hey, we're going to do this play. And I was like, okay. And, you know, after doing just so many Christmas plays, especially with kids, I just always get like, "Uh, you know, again, We're going to do this again, and it's always cute because it's a little corny, but I'm kind of tired of this same routine. And I just had this idea. I said, what if we did something different? And the guy kind of looked at me like, what do you mean? I've got this all written out. And they always love it when they plan something and you throw a wrench in it, which is what I do, right? It's like, you got an idea? Let me tweak it a little, right? Let me just throw a curveball and think of it differently. And so I started talking to him. I said, what if instead of it just being the kids get up there and they recite these verses and they do this little skit, what if we use some people to be a part of the play, but in sitting down in the congregation? And so I redrafted a little Christmas play where I had a person who was a heckler 
sitting in the seat, right? And so one of the kids would say something, and Jesus was born in this, and they go, oh, right, right? And then they would like, you know, everyone would stop and look at it, and then they would probably would going on, and then they'd say, oh, come on, give me a break. I've seen this before. And I remember one of the people in our church stood up and like looked at this guy, and I thought, oh, man, it's going to get physical here. But then part of me is like, yes, it's working, right? It, this, it's doing what I wanted it to do because the whole point was someone out there is responding to this and then they become a part of it where the kids start talking to him and involve him in this story, you know, and then it ends corny and hokey because that's how it had to end. But the whole point was to help them understand that you're a part of this story, right? That this involves you. Right? Paul told the philosophers in Athens that in him, God, we live and move and have our being, as your own poets have said, that we are like fish in the sea of God, unaware that he is all around us. We are swimming in God. You are a part of what God is doing. Creation is one of the signposts that God has placed that points to himself. And we see that from the very first verse in Genesis. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Creation is one of God's masterpieces. We see in Psalm 19.1, the heavens declare the glory of God and the sky above proclaim his handiworks. Paul tells us in Romans 1.20, for the invisible attributes, namely his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world in the things that have been made so that they are without excuse. It is so magnificent, we have a sense of awe of who God is. The psalmist writes, I praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works. My soul knows it very well. These are all ways that God is expressed through creation, ways that we encounter God through the things that he has made, what we see what we're able to perceive, we're able to perceive more than just the events itself or the creation itself, but we're able to perceive God. And it gets even more personal in Genesis one twenty seven when it says, so God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. Now, this is Hebrew poetry. You'll notice sometimes in your Bibles when you're reading, all of a sudden there'll be like a little paragraph that's kind of indented and it looks a little bit like it's not part of the regular text. What it's doing is telling you this is something that is poetic. It's something that's rhyming. It's something that is special in this presentation. And that's what's happening here that... The idea that God created man in his own image is actually a poetic expression by the Hebrew writer telling us where we fall into this picture. And so we are a part of this amazing thing that God has done. You know, I don't know much about stock market or insider trading, except that Martha Stewart went to jail um, and some movies that I've seen, right? But it, it's an illegal practice where you're trading stock 
in the stock exchange, but you have an advantage through having access to confidential information. And because you know things that aren't yet public known, you're able to do things to make money. And for some reason, that's illegal. It sounds like a good thing to me, but that's probably why I'm not in the industry or in jail. Um, But we have to understand that we are actually part of this work that God is doing. C.S. Lewis wrote that there is one thing and only one thing in the whole universe which we know more about than we could learn from external observation. That one thing is man. We do not merely observe men. We are men and women. In this case, we have, so to speak, inside information. We are in the know. You see, we have an insight within us As part of his creation, we have this inside voice that is able to communicate with the creator because we are actually part of that creation. There are seven times in the first chapter of Genesis where we read about God's creation with the simple phrase, it was good. God created, it was good. And it seems like the writer is wanting to make clear the point that everything God created was good. Now, I think referring to the creation of the universe as just good is an extreme understatement. I mean, I think it's pretty magnificent, right? Especially when I think some of the things I've done are pretty good compared to the universe. It's like, well, maybe not that good. But he goes on, it's good, it's good. And it's important to note that the incredible act of creation, six times it was good enough to describe creation as good. But the seventh reference, the seventh occasion where God describes creation as good is directly connected to his decision to create humanity in his own image. It was only when God created us that he upgraded the complement And said not only that it was good, but it was very good. To bring light out of darkness, God needed only to speak. But to bring his image alive in humanity, he needed to breathe his life in humanity. Directly into us. The description could not be more intimate. Could not be more personal. And you see, a sunset can be glorious. But it doesn't give us the image of God that a person does when they're generous or compassionate. Oh, snow-capped mountains are beautiful. But it's not the same image that you and I can give a clearer picture of who God is than just the majesty. We're able to actually give the character. That just put chills. Now, you know, oh my gosh. You see, the insider trading here is you are a part of this creation, but in a more intimate way. You don't just reflect God. You are in his image. And that's powerful. 
That's something that we need to understand. If creating is a part of who God is and we are created in his image, then maybe the ability to create is actually also one of the ways the image of God is showing up in us. James writes, every good gift and every perfect gift is from above. Coming down from the father of lights with whom there is no variation or shadow due to change of his own will. He brought us forth by the word of truth that we should be a kind of first fruits of his creatures. Everything good. It's coming from God. The good that you can do is the work of God coming out. What about those people who don't know God? Why do they do good work? They may not know it, but God is still at work in them. They were still created in his image and he is showing up. He is pouring out of their veins like their pores and they don't realize they are sweating God and they just don't know what it is. The good that we see in the world is the image of God. And when it comes out of us, it is just the voice of God within us finding its way out, trying to get out so that we can understand who we are because whatever is good and is perfect comes from God. And this is powerful because when people tell me, well, I don't believe in God, it's like, okay. Yeah, I don't go to church. Okay. You know what I'm doing? I'm doing this thing. Oh, that's a good thing. I just chuckle. (laughs) Yeah, you don't believe in God, but he's showing up right now in you. And someday you're going to put the pieces together and understand how close God really is to you. That he's been speaking to you this whole time. You just didn't know it was his voice because you were told his voice sounded like this or looked like this. And you didn't understand that inspiration was the voice of God crawling, trying to find its way out of your life. And maybe that voice would actually lead them to the creator The Greeks and the Romans used to see inspiration as not something that was in a person, but something that came on a person. The Greeks called it uh, Damien. The Romans called it genius. Genius would come upon a person. The Romans actually believed that when you would go into a, a person who was doing maybe artwork or something, that genius, the spirit, lived in the walls and then would come out and influence the person so that they could do something and then go back. That was their idea of genius. And then when the kind of the Renaissance came about, this enlightening, people moved from genius coming upon them to people being genius. Oh, it's within me, this genius. And maybe it's a little bit of the spirit of God coming upon us and a little bit of mixing with who we are that it shows up. But it's interesting that people would try and find a way to explain what is happening. Because there's been times where we are able to do incredible acts of, and, and we're just inspired for some reason. Right? And you've probably been that way where you're just thinking all of a sudden something pops into your head. I was like, where did that come from? I remember when Genesis was first starting and I was trying to think, well, what is going to be a statement, you know, of our faith? I, this sentence popped in my mind, embolden one another to change the world by effectively representing Jesus Christ. I was just driving and that whole sentence came in my head. And I thought, whoa, that one's pretty good, Right. 
And it's like, I never use the word embolden. So I'm thinking that came from someone other than me. I'm thinking, you know, that the genius, you know, in the car jumped in. Now, if it came out, you know, lame, then maybe I had a lame genius. See, I don't know. You know, it's like something happens where all of a sudden you feel inspired, where maybe God is speaking to you. You have an idea to do something and it shows up. You know, the Wright brothers had this idea that men could fly. It's a genius. They put their life on the line every time they tried to fly. Every time. It wasn't just like, hey, let's, I got an idea. It's like, no, we're going to put our lives on the line. Why? Because we have this idea and believe this, that it could happen. Dr. Jonas Salk, most of us don't know that name, but he is the one who found the vaccine for polio. Because of this man, millions of lives have been saved. We can't even count the potential of damage that would have been done if there was no polio vaccine. He believed that a vaccine composed of killed polio virus could immunize without risk of infecting the patient. Where did that idea come from? You know what? If I get a killed virus and infect it with people, it'll stop the real virus from getting it. He had an idea. Thank God he did. Thank God he did. And Sock administered the vaccine to volunteers who worked with him. (laughs) How would you like to work for that guy? Hey, come here. I need to talk to you. Also to himself, his lab assistant, his wife, and their children. All developed anti-polio antibodies and experienced no negative reaction to the vaccine, which has saved countless millions of lives throughout generations. Someone had an idea. Someone was inspired. Someone had this notion. And are we to say it wasn't God inspiring, speaking, working, revealing? See, when inspiration happens, there is a response. We respond to something when we're inspired. Remember Jacob at Bethel, he, he laid down and he put a rock for his pillow and then he had this incredible dream of this ladder and angels ascending and descending and then God speaking down to him and saying, hey, you're going to be okay, I am with you and I will bring you back into this land. And he woke up terrified and he said, surely God is here and I did not know. It. What did he do? He then started erecting stones and poured oil on it. He made a little altar, a little memorial to what had happened. Why? Because inspiration took place and now I'm marking it. I'm noting it. You get inspired and then all of a sudden you write it down or you start playing it on your instrument or you start painting it or you start cooking it, right? Inspiration shows up and then we create And creation is just an expression of the inspiration that God is at work within our lives. In Genesis 28, verses 18 and 19, it says, So early in the morning, Jacob took the stone that he had put under his head and set it up for a pillar and poured oil on top of it. He called the name of that place Bethel, the house of God. House of God. Where are we? I don't have that one. I blame you, Rick. 
<laughs> he named that place Bethel, the house of God. Why? Because God spoke to him there and he had to respond. I wonder how many times God is speaking to us and we're failing to respond because we don't recognize it's his voice. What would happen if our children understood that inspiration came from God? That the joy that they feel when they're painting, when they're drawing, when they're creating is actually God speaking into their lives. Let me ask you a question. What does Braille, right, that's used to help blind people see? Christmas lights, popsicles, earmuffs, and Superman all have in common. They were all invented by kids. Kids invented these things. Braille was created by a 12-year-old named Louis Braille. Christmas lights to hang on your tree were invented by a 15-year-old named Albert Sedaka in 1917. Remember what they used to do? They used to put candles on trees. You know, it's like... (laughs) And it took a 15-year-old to go, this is stupid. Popsicles were created in 1905 by 11-year-old Frank Epperson. He put some juice out on the porch, and it got cold. And he went back, and he said, hey, you know what? This is kind of fun. And then they invented popsicles from there. Chester Greenwood invented earmuffs in 1873 when he was 15. Superman was invented in 1934 by a teenager named Jerry Siegel. He got an idea of his own, and then he jotted them down, and in the morning ran to visit an artist friend, Joe Schuster, who made some sketches, and four years later, they found a publisher, and today Superman's one of the most recognizable characters in the world. All by kids. I wonder if we have missed the boat in not helping our kids to see that inspiration is part of their nature because they were created in the image of the creator who has breathed life into them. And you could call it genius, you could call it the muse, but God is at work. And we are able to create anything that's good comes from God now we have the ability to create things that are evil as well. And that's the freedom that we have. But do we realize that when we create good, we are actually representing God? In Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10, it says, We are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good work, which God prepared in advance for us to do. That word, God's handiwork, we are God's handiwork, It is we are God's poema. We are God's poem. Remember in the beginning in Genesis, God created man in his image. It was poetry. Here again, we are the poetry of God. Do we realize that when we create something good from a vaccine to a PB&J sandwich... 
we are evidence that God, whose image we are created in, is showing itself up. I mean, food is an amazing thing. Because I know some of you are thinking, well, I'm not an artist. I don't paint. I don't play music. I, I don't do poetry. But some of you are amazing cooks. Man, that's good stuff. Right? I mean, who is the person who invented pizza? There's an unsung hero there, right? I mean, what what has to happen? Well, we need to get flour, and I don't know how you make dough, eggs, or something, right? You you put all these things, and, and then you've got cheese and tomato sauce and pepperoni and mushrooms. There's no pineapple on my pizza, okay? You don't just put these things in a bowl and say, here, have at it. No, you have to... To put it out, you have to cook the dough. You have to put this on. It's a masterpiece. Every time you get a pizza, you should thank God. (laughs) It's incredible. And we eat it as if it's nothing. I mean, sometimes we eat it as if it's something. Sometimes it's like, oh, man, this is amazing, right? And you have a godlike experience. Like, oh, this is good. What is this about? It is God's voice speaking through a pizza. Now, it sounds silly, but I'm telling you that God shows up in creative ways in so many ways that we, we shouldn't make light of the little things that we do. I remember when my son, he's probably five years old, and it was Christmas, and we bought this Peter Pan thing. It was when the movie Hook came out with Dustin Hoffman, and there was this intricate thing, and I looked at it, and it was like 11 o'clock at night, and I said, you know, son, we'll, we'll take care of that tomorrow because this one's got a lot of pieces, and I ain't ready to tackle it right now. So I went to bed, but my son didn't, which was I should have taken that as a warning. He would never go to bed. But next morning... I come up out there, and there he is, all sleepy-eyed, and he holds it up to me. He goes, look, I put it together. And I was like, whoa. I don't know. I was putting it off because I was going to have to read all the instructions and whatever, but he did it. Something inside of him said, I got to do this. I got to put this together. There's something inside us that wants to create, and it is a fingerprint of God on your soul. It is God speaking to us. And if James writes that every good and perfect gift comes from the Father above, coming down from the Father of lights, then anything that they do that is good is part of the evidence. Anything we create can be something that is good. Then what opportunity do we have to bring a gift of good to the world around us so that they can see the God in us. That's our challenge. That's the task that's before us. That's the mantle that God is handing to us in the creation as he's breathing his life into us. He's saying, now breathe it into the world. And that's our opportunity. One of the things that we are going to do, I talked about it a couple of weeks ago. Right now we're calling it A-OK. It just means alongside our kids. Mary came up with that. And we talked about it a while ago, two weeks ago. We are putting together 100 food bags and 25 hygiene bags for the students at Lopez Elementary School. Mary is going to get the supplies and we are going to put them together, not this week, but the next week. But you guys aren't going to put them together. Your kids are. 
They're going to do it on Sunday morning. They're going to put these bags together for the kids of Lopez Elementary School. And then we're going to give them to Annette so that she could take them to her kids. Why? Because... We have the opportunity to do good. We have the opportunity to create good. We have the opportunity to evidence God to the world, not by just telling them, hey, this is what you need. Hey, God says, hey, hey, this, this, this. Our voice is a great way to express God, but there are so many ways to express God's goodness. Creating is one of them. And you are all creative. I know Rick always says, I'm not creative. But I tell you, you hang out with Rick and he creates an atmosphere. <laughs> that could be taken a number of ways. But <laughs> Rick has people who are friends with him instantly because he's a friendly guy and he creates and evokes that kind of friendship. Right? You create things that you may not even be aware of. Creativity is one of the expressions of God that you are empowered with in one way or another. And when you are doing something creative, whether it is making food, whether it is doing poetry, whether it is making something, building something, fixing something, and if you get this feeling, this sense of, man, it feels good to do this. Ah, I I feel like I'm in the zone. This is the sweet spot of life right here. Understand you are part of what God has started all those years ago when he breathed inspiration into your nostrils and it shows up in your soul. And the reason it feels so good is it is because it's connected to the creator of the universe himself. And you are right where you're supposed to be. Amen. Let's pray. Lord, I pray that we would open our understanding to you and your voice and how you speak to us. Lord, that we would not limit how you are working in our lives, in our children's lives, and we would allow you access to our creativity We would allow you to inspire us, to breathe your life into us, that we would hear your voice through even the things that we make, the homes that we build, the the family that we develop, Lord, the, the things that we do, maybe on daily basis, in our jobs, in our hobbies, the ability we have to create and do good, Lord, is a potential to speak to the world of who you are. And I pray we would not limit your voice in our lives or in the lives of those around us, Lord. May you continually inspire us, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand together. May you learn about Jesus, your example from scripture where all scripture is inspired by God and may you allow the breath of God to fill your life and be an inspiration to those around you God bless you guys have a wonderful week you have been listening to the Genesis podcast we invite you to join us at one of our weekly gatherings 
You can find more information at www.thegenesisstory.com as well as opportunities to help financially support this podcast. Thank you for listening.